Now, righteousness is the very nature of Christ. It is the very nature of God. Righteousness is the authority of God. Everything, everywhere bows to the nature of God and bows to the authority of righteousness. It says, the word of God has gone out of my mouth in righteousness that unto me every knee shall bow and every tongue will confess the lordship of God, the lordship of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Everything bows to righteousness. Hallelujah. And we are made the righteousness of God in Christ. That righteousness is in us. Therefore, this righteousness is to cause us to rule and that everything would bow to us. Oh, what is man that you are mindful of him and the son of man that you would visit him. You've made him a little lower than yourself and you've made all things subject unto him. How could that be? It is by the power and the authority of righteousness. Jesus was made to be sin for us that we might be made the righteousness of God. He has given unto us abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness. Why? That we might reign in this life by virtue of the one Jesus Christ and because of his sacrifice, because of what he finished on Calvary. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Now we are to be established, rooted, anchored in that righteousness. How do we get there? Blessed be the name of the Lord. This is a place of total victory. Some years ago, I took my car um, to, 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 for a routine oil change. And um, prior to that, there were some strange little noises and songs, um, which, you know, I kind of ignored. I probably shouldn't have, but I ignored them. And so I took my car in for an oil change, and, and the gentleman, the mechanic came back, and he said, um, he said um, oh, there was this particular problem with your car that I noticed, and, uh, and I fixed it. So I said, oh, is that right? And, um, you know, he told me what it was, and I said, thank you. I asked him how much that cost extra for what, what he found and he fixed, and, he, you know, he told me what it was. Later on that day, um, my wife and I were going to midweek service here at church, and on the way, along the Red Hill Creek, um, I was saying something to my wife, and, then, and the Lord said to me this. He said to me that there is a place where you and I can live, and in this place, as we live in this place, there are things that we will not even have to pray about. It will just happen. And so, and, and that really blessed my heart. And he was using that situation with that uh, car and that there were issues with the car that I didn't even ask the mechanic to fix. I didn't even discuss it, but nevertheless, it got fixed. And God was saying there is such a place that you and I can abide and live in. And in this place, there are things we won't even have to pray about. You remember how in Matthew chapter 6, Jesus talked about the fact that, the, uh, uh, about prayer. And he was saying that we must not be as the Gentiles. We must not be as the Gentiles that believe that we are going to be heard because of our meek, much speaking. He said we are not to be like the Gentiles, being con conscious and, and, and anxious and worried about what are we going to eat, what are we going to drink, what are we going to wear, and all these other things. He says the Father knows that you have need of these things. Don't use up your prayer life for those things. He said this is what you are to do. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and these things shall be added unto you. What he was saying, he was saying Pursue righteousness, and there are things that you don't even have to pray about. They're just going to be taken care of. Hallelujah. 
So he's, that's the place he was talking about. He was talking about his place of righteousness. You see, the kingdom of God, Romans 14 verse 17 says, is not meat and drink. But the kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. So when he says seek first the kingdom of God and seek first his righteousness, the emphasis here is to seek God's operation, and God's operation is that of righteousness. Seek and pursue righteousness. Seek and pursue this fellowship, this oneness, this communion, this living in this fellowship and harmony and oneness with God. Blessed be the name of the Lord. There is this place of righteousness that is a place of victory. Now, I have come to understand that this place is the place of righteousness. And, and the scripture says in Isaiah 54 verse 14 that in righteousness that God wants to teach us. He wants to teach us and bring us to this place where we can be so established in righteousness. And it says when you are established in righteousness, you will be far from oppression because you shall not fear. And from torment, it will not come. And from terror, it shall not even come near you because you shall not fear. Now, you see, you're going to be in, as you're establishing righteousness, you'll be far from oppression. Now, oppression is of the enemy. Oppression is of the devil. The scripture says in Acts chapter 10, verse 38, how that Jesus Christ of Nazareth went about doing good healing all that were oppressed of the devil. So the oppression is of the devil, and Jesus went about doing good healing. Healing is good. Sickness is oppression. And God was with Jesus, so God was in on the healing. God was in on destroying the works of the enemy and lifting that, that oppression off of people. Sickness is oppression. Disease is oppression. Lack and poverty is oppression. Confusion is oppression. Mental torment is oppression. Relationship conflict is oppression. All kinds of curses, they are oppressions. Well, God wants us to be established in righteousness and be far from oppression because of fear being chopped off. Blessed be the name of the Lord. The question is, can you and I live in this place of righteousness? This place is a place of victory. This place is a place where no weapon formed against you shall prosper. They will be formed. They will come against you. Persecutions and stuff will happen. But the Lord delivers you out of them all. Hallelujah. Can you live in this place called righteousness? Now, we are talking about the righteousness of God. Jesus was made sin for you and I that we might be made the righteousness of God in Christ. We didn't commit righteousness any more than Jesus committed sin. But Jesus was made sin, and we are made the righteousness of God in Christ. It is a free gift that is ours when we believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. But believing on the Lord Jesus Christ makes you the righteousness of God in Christ. But now we've got to be established in that righteousness, function in that righteousness, live in that righteousness, and always be found in, in that righteousness no matter what storms may be raging. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Can we live in this place called the righteousness of God in Christ? Anchored in that righteousness. The answer is yes, you can. Say yes, I can. All right. This righteousness of God is living in oneness with God. It is living in God. To, to, it is so that you are the God's extension in the earth. You are the extension of him. 
Righteousness is being yoked together with Christ. Jesus says, come on to me, all ye that labor and are heavily burdened. He says, come to me, I'll give you rest. And he says, learn of me. I am meek and I'm lowly in heart. And then he says, take my yoke upon you. My yoke is easy. My yoke is light. Be yoked together with me. Amen? Be yoked together with me. And so this righteousness is a being yoked together with Christ, even to the point that your life is hid, is hidden with Christ in God. So that as Jesus is, so are you. Your life is so hid with Christ in God that it is no longer you that live, but it is Christ that liveth in you and Christ that liveth through you. You have been crucified with Christ, nevertheless you live. Yet it is not you, but it is Christ that liveth in you. And the life that you now live, it is the life of Christ. And you live it by the faith of the Son of God. This union, this oneness, this um, life of Christ living in you and through you did not come by the works of the law, did not come because of your good do deeds. It came because Jesus Christ was slain. It came because of the sacrifice of Christ. Amen? Hallelujah. Can you live in this place called righteousness? Can you be anchored there? John chapter 15, verse 17, Jesus says, If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you shall ask what you will, and it shall be done unto you. I don't know about you, but that sounds like absolute victory. Amen? If you abide in me, my words abide in you. You shall ask what you will, and it shall be done unto you. If you abide in me. May I put that scripture this way? If you are established in that righteousness, if you are established in that oneness, if you are established in the righteousness, and the word concerning righteousness abides richly in you, you will ask what you will, and it shall be done for you. Can you be established and anchored in righteousness? The answer is yes. Well, how? How can you be anchored in righteousness? Now, I asked the Lord this question some years ago. How can I be, 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 be established in righteousness? And, and he answered me, thank God. <laughs> and this is what he said to me. This is the essence of what he said to me. He says, if you would exercise and practice the various aspects of the sacrifice of Christ, you will be established in righteousness. I remember exactly where I was. I was coming down the stairs when the Lord spoke that to me. That if you practice and exercise the various aspects of righteousness, you will be established and anchored. Sorry, if you, if you exercise and practice the various aspects of the sacrifice, you will be anchored and established in righteousness, which means you'll be anchored and established in that oneness which you have with God in Christ, which means you'll be 
anchored and established in the life of Christ so that that life can flow through you. It means you'll be established in the reality of the authority of Christ. You will be established in the rights that you have as a son of God. You will be established in your right standing so that before God it would be as if sin has never been. You would be justified and be able to live free from condemnation, free from guilt, free from shame, free from insecurity, free from inferiority. He says if you will practice and exercise the various aspects of the sacrifice, you will be established in righteousness. Now at the time when the Lord said that to me, I knew at that time that there were eight aspects to the sacrifice of Christ. So I knew what he was talking about when he said the um, practicing the aspects of the righteousness of the sacrifice. I knew there were eight aspects of the sacrifice of, of Christ. Here sometimes we refer to the sacrifice of Christ and we simply say the cross or we say the blood or we, or we say that Jesus died or we say that we have victory through Christ when in fact what we really mean is that we have victory by virtue of what Jesus has done. We have victory because of the sacrifice. And so quite often we say that, that I am dead to the world through the power of the cross. Well, we really mean by cause of the sacrifice. Amen? So what are these eight aspects of the sacrifice that he was referring to? Briefly, it is the fact that, that first of all, Jesus died. He was buried. He was resurrected. He also ascended to the right hand of the Father, and he shed his blood. And as a result of those things, we now have his life in us. We now have the authority of his name. And we now have great and precious promises. So there are eight aspects of the sacrifice of Christ. And they each have an application to our lives. Because, you see, when Jesus died on the cross, we were in him. The scripture says in Colossians 2 and verse 12 that we were baptized into his death by the faith of the operation of God. In Romans 6, verse 3, for three, to, three to, to 7, it basically says, Know ye not, you need to know this, that when you were immersed or baptized into Christ, you were also baptized into his death, and you were buried with him by baptism unto death, and, and, and you were also resurrected with him in resurrection. Therefore, you ought to live as if you resurrected. You also ascended with him, and you were made to sit together with him in heavenly places. You were also washed and cleansed by his blood, so that in the sight of God, it is as if, just, as if sin has never been. You have also been given his life, his name, and his, and his word and promises. Amen? So there is an intimate participation and fellowship that you and I have with everything Jesus did in his sacrifice. That's what we do when we celebrate communion. When we have communion, we are saying, I have a common share and fellowship in everything he did in his broken body that this bread represents. I have a common share and fellowship and communion in everything he did in his shed blood. But what do you mean his body and his shed blood? That's the sacrifice. So when we have communion, we are making a declaration and a proclamation that we have an intimate fellowship, communion, and participation in everything he did in his sacrifice, in every aspect of his sacrifice. Are you with me? 
In fact, the very identity that you and I have today as new creation comes out of the sacrifice of Christ. Hallelujah. So to be established in righteousness, and the righteousness comes out of the sacrifice, is going to be to be is going to take the application of the various aspects of the sacrifice. So the Lord said to me, as you exercise these various aspects of the sacrifice, you will become established in righteousness. You will become established in that oneness with me. Now, I also knew at the time when he said that to me, that not only are they the eight aspects of the sacrifice of Christ, but I also understood that they are what I call four comprehensions of righteousness. Right? And those four comprehensions being, number one, you are one with God in Christ. Number two, you have right standing with God. That means you're just as if sin has never been. Number three, you have the authority of Christ. And number four, you have all the rights of being a child of God. All the rights of sonship. And that is why all the promises of God are yes and amen to you. So what he was saying to me then is this. That if you would take these eight aspects of the, of the sacrifice of Christ and exercise in them and practice them, what will happen is that you're going to be established in each of those comprehensions of righteousness. So if I take each of those eight aspects of the sacrifice and I meditate in them and I apply each one of them to my life and to each of those four areas of comprehension, what will happen? I will become established in this relationship and in this oneness that I have with God in Christ. I'll become anchored in it. Now, you can take this as a homework. <laughs> and you can take those eight and you can take those four and apply each one at a time and, and have some fun with it. You're going to be blessed. Hallelujah. And, and, and I'm, I'm being serious too. Now, why is it that you need, what, what, why is it you, that you have to do the sacrifice? We're talking about not just knowing it intellectually, not just knowing that these are the eight aspects of the sacrifice and knowing that these are the four comprehensions of righteousness. But you got to take these, each of these eight and practice them and do them. Why is that important? Here is why it's important. Because your true identity who you are comes out of the sacrifice of Christ. You were crucified with him, buried with him. You were resurrected with him. You ascended with him. His life is now your life. His name is, belongs to you. you. Your true identity, that new creation, that workmanship comes out of the death, the burial, the resurrection, the ascension, the shed blood, the name, the life, and the promises of God. Amen? But you've got to do these things. Why you have to do them? Jesus said and told a story in Matthew chapter 7 and around verse 24, 25. He says, those that hear the word of God, that hear what he has to say and does it, he would be, he would be like the man that built his house on the rock. So when the storms of life come, and they do come, when the floods come, and they do come. When the storms of life come, that house will stand. But if he hears only these revelations, he hears only these, com these comprehensions, but he doesn't do them, he's like a man that built his house 
that looks good, but it's on the stair, sand. And when the pressures of life come, that house collapses. Amen? So he says that we must not be hearers of the word only, but doers of the word. Why? So that we can become established. So that we can become rooted. So that our anchor can hold and attach itself to the rock which is Christ. Are you with me? Hallelujah. So the fact that this is who we are and this is where our identity comes from and this is where the revelation of righteousness flows from, therefore, the only way for us to be established in this identity that we, who we really are and we are the righteousness of God in Christ, the only way for us to do that is we've got to literally, we got to literally draw out the various aspects of the righteousness of Christ, which reveals the various aspects of our righteousness. We got to draw out the various aspects of the sacrifice and do them, practice them. Amen? And believe me, you get you're going to get lots of opportunity. We get lots of opportunity to practice them. Hallelujah. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Is this making sense to you? Now, the last lesson that we, that we had last week, we talked about how these four comprehensions of righteousness is revealed directly from the sacrifice. Amen? I'm just going to do a quick recap. To start with, it says in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 18, that the preaching of the cross, the preaching of a cross to them that are lost, is foolishness. But to us who are saved, the preaching of the cross, the preaching of the sacrifice, is the power of God unto salvation. And in Romans chapter 1, verse 16 and 17, Paul says, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. Now, instead of saying the sacrifice, he says the gospel of Christ. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. Well, the good news is that Jesus went to the cross and he died for the sins of the whole world so that whoever believes on him can have everlasting life. The gospel is the preaching of the cross. The gospel is, as a result of the preaching of the cross, Christ in us, the hope of glory. Amen? Jesus, Paul said, when God called me from my mother's womb, it was to reveal his son in me and that I might preach him among the Gentiles. So, so then in Romans 1, 16 and 17, it says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel, which is the sacrifice, which is the preaching of the cross, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. And I'm not ashamed of it because it is the power of God, again, it is the power of God unto salvation, why? Because therein is the righteousness of God revealed. He says this thing has power to produce salvation, wholeness, deliverance, prosperity, healing, freedom. Why? Because in the gospel, in the sacrifice, there is an unveiling and a revealing of righteousness. The oneness that we have with God in Christ. The authority we have as the children of God. The rights and privileges that we have as sons of God. And the freedom from guilt and shame and condemnation. Hallelujah. This comes out of the sacrifice. So number one, let's, Christ in you is your oneness with God in Christ. 
And as a result of that, and that comes directly out of the sacrifice. Very quickly, it says in um, Colossians, Galatians 2, 20 and 21, that you've been crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, you live. Yet it's not you, but it's Christ that lives in you. And the life you now live is the life of Christ. And this righteousness didn't come by your works. It came because Jesus was slain. That scripture says that this oneness you have, it's not you, but it's Christ in you. It causes righteousness, and it says that came because of the sacrifice. So the sacrifice, out of the sacrifice comes, this, comes righteousness. Colossians 1.20, which says that by the blood of his cross, Jesus Christ has reconciled everything to himself, and he's purchased peace. He has set everything at one again to how it would have been if there was never the fall. So because of the sacrifice, everything has been fixed and restored to its original place before any fall took place. So as a result of the sacrifice, there is justification, just as if sin has never been. Well, that is called right standing. So that's the second comprehension. The third comprehension is the fact that there is a power and the authority of the name of Jesus. Revelation 1 verse 18, Jesus says, I am he that liveth and was dead. That's the sacrifice, is it not? And behold, I have the keys of hell and of death. I've got the authority. All power has been given unto me. And it says that Jesus was obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Wherefore, God highly exalted him and gave him a name which is above every name. That's the name of Jesus. That at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow of things in heaven and earth and under the earth. And every tongue will confess that he is Lord to the glory of God our Father. Philippians 2 verse 8 through 11. So what is the point? This authority that we have in the name of Jesus, this authority is directly because of the sacrifice of Christ. And that's the third aspect. The fourth aspect is the fact that you've got rights and privileges as a son of God. Well, you see, Jesus made a will. And everything was given to him. But because Jesus died, and the person that made that will died, then the will is now in force. When someone makes a will, you can't cash in on the will if that person is still alive. You got to wait until they die, right? Well, Jesus died. So the will is in force. Amen? So as a result, all of the inheritance belongs to us, and we've got access to it. Now, sometimes when people die and, um, and they leave an inheritance, the family fight. They fight over the inheritance. Well, Jesus also rose up from the dead to make sure that we there ain't going to be no arguments and fights. Amen? Amen? <laughs> Blessed be the name of the Lord. But the point of the matter is this. We are joint heirs with with Christ, and we are heirs of God, and all things are yours. He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all. That's crucifixion. That is the sacrifice. He that spared not his own son, how shall he not with him also freely give, what? give us all things? So here, all things are ours. All the promises are yes and amen because all things are ours. And what is the result? It's all because of the sacrifice. So last week, we talked about the fact that these four comprehensions of the sacrifice or of righteousness comes directly out of the sacrifice. Now, let us see this. And this is what we got to capture today. Let us see the scriptures and from the word of God that reveals that you can 
be established in that righteousness through the sacrifice. In other words, we want to go to the word and we want to see, all right, is that we come in and we say, okay, Father, show me. You said that we can be established in righteousness by practicing the elements of the sacrifice. Show me in the word where it will speak to me that by doing the sacrifice, I'm going to be established in righteousness. Spirit of God, show that to me. Do you believe he will? Do you believe he's a great teacher? Do you believe he teaches us all things and leads us and guides us into all truth and takes whatever belongs to us and belongs to Jesus and reveals it unto us? Of course he does. So let's look at that. Isaiah chapter 53, verse 11, we talked about this last week. I'm not going to turn to it. But it basically says in Isaiah 53, verse 11, after it had talked about the sacrifice, Jesus being bruised for our iniquity, the chastisement of our peace being upon him, and after they discussed all of that, it says in Isaiah 53, verse 11, that God says, I will watch, I will see the travail of his soul and be satisfied. In other words, I'm going to see the sacrifice and the price and the penalty that he has paid and I'm going to be sacrificed and I'll be satisfied and then it goes on to say and by the knowledge of him shall my righteous servant justify many by the knowledge of him shall my righteous servant make many righteous justified as if sin has never been now I want you to I want you to capture this when the scriptures speaks about knowing, it is talking about, it is not talking about a head knowledge. It is not talking about a mental assent and a mental agreement. It is talking about the deepest intimacy that you could conceive of. The Bible speaks about the fact in the first mention in Genesis, how that Adam knew Eve and he and Eve conceived. In other words, Adam was intimate with Eve, and she conceived. So this word knowing has to do with this intimacy. The scripture says in John chapter 17, verse, thir- verse 3, that the, that, the, um, that the eternal life, that the, is the knowledge of him and of Jesus Christ whom he have sent. It's intimacy with him. It's intimacy. So let's go back. So Isaiah 53, verse 11, therefore says, because of the sacrifice in which God is satisfied, by the knowledge of him, by the knowledge, by the intimate knowledge of him and of that sacrifice that was spoken of in the previous 10 verses, by that intimate knowledge of him shall many be made righteous, shall many be coming to that place of justification as if sin has never been. I'm going to put it this way. By the intimate knowledge of the sacrifice of Christ, so intimate, it is a oneness, it is a union, of the sacrifice of Christ, you become so unionized or so, so, so united and embedded in the sacrifice of Christ that you shall be made justified. The scripture speaks about being baptized into his death, being baptized into his Christ, being raised up together with him in resurrection. That word baptized has to do with, it's like being tie-dyed. If you get a white Let's say you got a white T-shirt and you tie-dye it in some kind of blue or, or, or colorful um, dye. What happens? Man, that stuff becomes so fused together, you cannot separate it anymore. You cannot undye it. 
Well, you've been baptized. You've been immersed into Christ. That is the reality. As many of you have been baptized into Jesus Christ, you have put on Christ. Galatians 3.27. So this here is talking about you having this intimate union, oneness, this, this knowing, this fusing together with the very sacrifice of Christ. And as a result of that, you are justified, just as if sin has never been. Now, this very process of being fused together, that's intimacy. That, is, um, that, in, that in itself is not, is not something... Uh, it, 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 it's, it's a it's a establishing it is an establishing it is an anchoring it's an anchoring we're talking about this is you, you see this is what we proclaim when we self communion in communion we are proclaiming I've got a union I've got a oneness I am fused together with him in everything he did in his body and in his shed blood it is this tremendous intimacy, this fellowship, this union that, is, that we're talking about. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. Let's, turn to, let's look at Philippians chapter 3 just to capture this some more. And where does this come from? It comes from out of the sacrifice. Philippians chapter 3. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Glory to God. Reading from verse 7. It says, Paul says, for what things were gained to me, these I count lost for Christ. Yes, indeed I also count all things for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and I count them all as rubbish, that I might gain Christ and be, be, be found in him. Not having my own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness, which is of God by faith. I want you to capture this, capture this intimacy. So let me read it in the Amplified. The Amplified says, whatever things, whatever former things I had that might have been gained to me, I have come to consider as one combined loss for Christ's sake. He says, I want this union, this intimacy with Christ so bad. I want this so much that whatever was even gained and profitable for me, I just laid all aside. I counted all but loss. He says, yes, furthermore, I count everything as loss compared to the possession of the priceless privilege, the overwhelming Preciousness, the surpassing worth and supreme advantage of knowing and having this intimacy. He says this is so valuable. It is as the pearl of great price. It is so valuable. It is worth selling everything that I have, everything that I could ever own, everything in the world so that I can have this. This is how much I've got to have this. of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord and, and of progressively becoming more deeply and intimately acquainted with him. And I pray that this hunger, this thirst, this desire for righteousness will be birthed within us by the Holy Ghost even as I'm speaking in the name of Jesus. Becoming more deeply and intimately acquainted with him of perceiving and recognizing and understanding him more fully and clearly 
For his sake, I lose everything, and I consider it all to be but mere rubbish, refuge, in order that I might win and gain Christ, the anointed one, and that I might actually be found and known as in him. That's righteousness. Not having my any self-achieved righteousness that can be called my own that is based on my obedience to the law or based on my own goodness, my ritualistic uprightness and supposed right standing with God that I may have acquired, but rather possessing that genuine righteousness which is of God, that genuine righteousness which comes through the faith of Christ, said the faith of Christ. The right standing with God, which comes by faith. Now, it is talking about being found there, being found in righteousness. In other words, whatever's going on, you, you know, sometimes things happen. And I mean, I, I, you know, you might get upset. But what happens when you get upset? What happens when some, something triggers you? Are you going to be found in that righteousness? Or are you just going to get out of that oneness that you have with God and just give somebody a piece of your mind? Are you going to just, all of a sudden, when the pressure is on, you're just going to get out of that righteousness, and next thing you know, you're talking wrong. You're saying that, man, it's going to get worse before it gets better. I, I, I don't see how I could ever get out of this mess. Uh, you know, I, I mean, I, I mean, this, 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 uh, and, and all of a sudden, you, 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 you're thinking wrong, you're talking wrong about, about the things of life. Are you with me? Because you see, the pressure can do that. But the scripture here is saying, Paul is saying, no matter what's going on, I want to be found in him. In other words, there is a settling, there is an anchorage in this righteousness that he is desiring. An anchorage. You see, faith in Christ, faith in what Jesus has finished will make you righteous. It will make you the righteousness of God in Christ but continually applying the aspect of the sacrifice, it causes you to become established in the righteousness. So that no matter what's going on, that's where you're found. So it goes on to say in verse 10, that I might know him. I want to know him. I want to be in this intimacy. I want to know the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering being conformed to his death. What do you mean being conformed to his death? What do you mean the fellowship of his suffering? He says, so that I could be in this union with, with, with what he did in his sacrifice. That I may in the same way come to know the power that flows out from his resurrection. And even if I'm, while I'm in this earth, I could live as, those, uh, as if I'm already resurrected. What is, in other words, then, this being found in him. This intimacy is going to come, but it comes through the application of that sacrifice. The fellowship of his suffering, being conformed even unto his death. Are you with me? Amen? Glory to God. Hallelujah. Romans 6, 3 to 7. What does it say? It says, know ye not. Know ye not. You need to know this. Now, there is a word know again. Remember that word know has to do with what? Intimacy, oneness. Romans chapter 6, reading from verse 3, it says, Do you not know this? You need to know this. You need to be intimate with this fact that as many of us as were baptized and immersed and tie-dyed 
into Christ Jesus, were baptized, immersed, and tied into his death. Therefore, you were buried with him through baptism into death. You need to know this. And that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, you were also raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father. You need to know this. And therefore, you ought to walk in this newness of life. For if we have been united together in the likeness of his death, certainly we shall also be in the likeness of his resurrection. Knowing this, you got to know this. That that old man was crucified and died and was buried with him. Why? That that body of sin might be destroyed and put away so that no longer would you live out of that old man serving sin. For he that is dead has been freed from sin. And it goes on. But you got to know this. Which means what? You got to have this intimate revelation, understanding, you, this, this stuff has got to be fused and engrafted onto the inside of you. Amen? Jesus put it this way. In John 6, 53, you know what Jesus said? Jesus said, except you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you cannot have my life. Having his life in us and flowing through us is righteousness. So he said, unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, unless you be let this consume you, and swallow you up. You can't have this life. But we know that if we died with him, we shall also reign with him. Amen? So Paul says that I might be found in him. Not having my own righteousness. That's where I want to be found. So, but we also see in this Philippians 3 verse 9. That I might be found in him not having my own righteousness which is of the law. But the righteousness which is by the Faith of Christ. Now, I know the New King James says faith in Christ. All right. But Old King James, I like Old King James. That might be, that, that, this, that I might find in him not having my own righteousness, which is of the law, but the righteousness which is of God by the faith of Christ. Say the faith of Christ. So, this, to, 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 to be established in this, it's going to take, the, the faith of Christ. What do you mean the faith of Christ? You got to think like Christ. You got to talk like Christ. You got to act like Christ. You got to believe like Christ. You got to put on the conversation of Christ, which is the conversation of the new man that is created in righteousness and true holiness. Ephesians 4, 22 and 24. And we know from our studies so far over the last several lessons, that to live the life of Christ and to live and his life living through us, that is the very essence of righteousness. 1 John 4, 9 says, Herein is the love of God made manifest. That here is the love of God made manifest. That he sent his only begotten son into the world that we might live through him. That we might live the life that comes through Christ. Well, what is the life that comes through Christ? It is the life of Christ. God says this is why he sent his son to the cross. This is why he was appropriation. Not just that we might live any way, anyhow, but we might have, we might live the very life of Christ. That our life of Christ will be in us and would be flowing through us. That Christ might live through us. Therefore, it goes on to say in verse 17 of 1 John 4, this love has been perfected 
in that we may have boldness and confidence in the day of judgment. Any day, any time, all the time. Why? Because as he is, so are we in this world. Now, the entirety, consider, I'm crucified. It's not I, but it's Christ that living in me. The life I live is the life of Christ. For me to live is Christ. It is about that life of Christ. That's the essence of righteousness. And I said this before, but I want to say it again. Believing on Christ makes you the righteousness of God in Christ. But continually applying the faith of Christ, thinking, believing, and acting like the way Christ does, continually applying the faith of Christ, that is what will establish you in Christ so that you will be found in him, not having your own righteousness, but the righteousness of God in Christ. Applying the faith of Christ to the sacrifice, functioning from there is what will cause you to be established in righteousness. You, you follow me? Believing on Jesus makes you the righteousness of God. Thank God for that, but I want to live there. You want to live there? Yes. Amen. Hallelujah. This anchorage in the righteousness of God requires the faith of Christ. Which means what? You got to think, talk, act, and believe like Christ. You can't think however you feel like. You can't talk however you feel like. Your mind has got to be renewed to the mind of Christ so that you can speak the truth in love. You can speak the truth according to what is finished, not according to what it looks like, not according to feelings and emotions and reasoning and senses, but you got to be able to speak according to the Word of God. So, what are the requirements for you to be established in this righteousness? Number one, you're going to have to have a hunger and a thirst for this. Matthew says if you hunger and thirst for righteousness, you're going to be filled. You've got to have a strong desire to live the life of Christ and to intimately know him. Now, you may not, I mean, you, you, I told, these are things you got to pray about. You got to pray and, and, and ask God, oh, Lord, Lord, put a fire inside of me. Put a hunger inside of me so that nothing else will satisfy me. But him, knowing him, let, let me come to that place where I come to everything else but lost. Oh, Father, fill me, enlarge me. Give me this hunger. Psalm 17, verse 15 says, I will be satisfied when I awake in his likeness, when I awake and I come to that place where my entire being is conformed to the image of him. Until then, I'm going to press for the mark, for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ. You got to have that hunger. That's one of the requirements. You see, there's a reward that comes with seeking him. There is no one that seeks God in vain. But you've got to seek faith. Without faith, it's impossible to please God, but faith believes that God is, and he is a rewarder of who? Every believer? No, of those that diligently seek him. Shall not the Lord reward his, shall he not vindicate and reward his elect that seek and cry out to him day and night? Surely he will. So you got to have that hunger. You got to have, Paul says, I count all things but loss. For the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus, my Lord. I've got to have this. I want to know him. 
Number two, you have to embrace this faith of Christ. And if you're going to embrace the faith of Christ, you got to reckon yourself dead. You got to reckon yourself that it's not about me, but it's Christ that lived in me. And I, I might have my opinion, but I count my opinion but down. Which is to say what? You know, the scripture says in Romans 3 verse 4, let God be true and every man a liar. How does Jesus, what is Jesus saying? How does he think? And to think and talk and believe like him. You know, we quote the scripture, Romans, um, proper, sorry, John chapter 14, verse 12. He that believeth in me, the works that I do, shall he do also. And greater works than these shall he do. And we quote that scripture. And we take it to mean that every believer, the works that Jesus did, he's going to do. And greater works than these. That's not what it is saying. If you read around it, it is saying, because I live. He that, and I've gone to the Father, he that believeth on me, he that believes the way I believe, he that believes the way I believe the works that I do, he's going to do also in greater works than these. You got to believe like Jesus. You got to talk like Jesus. You got to think like Jesus. Amen? So you've got to embrace the faith of Christ and determine to put on Christ. Put on the Lord Jesus Christ. You've been baptized into him. You have put him on, so put him on. Number three, your mind must be renewed. Renewed to what? To the sacrifice of Christ. Renewed to what is finished. Renewed to the reality of who you are. Renewed to, the, to what it is that you have in your born-again spirit. Amen? Hallelujah. Number four, you also got to talk right. You got to talk like Jesus. Say, I talk like Jesus. Now, Jesus is your life. Now, if Jesus is now your identification, the life I live, it is the life of Christ. I am dead and my life is hid with Christ in God. When Christ, who is my life, shall appear. All things have passed away. All things have become new. All things are of God. If Christ is your identification, then you must have an identical confession as Christ. Are you with me? Those are the requirements. I some of them for now. But let's take one more step. I can see that I can see. <laughs> anyway, I was thinking about the song, but then singing is not one of my graces. I can see the runway though. One more step. One more step. Second Corinthians chapter four. The reality is we have challenges to face in life, don't we? Many are the afflictions of the righteous. It happens. Don't think it's strange when the concerning the fiery trials that will try some of you. It happens. But 2 Corinthians 4 verse 7 says, But we have this treasure in earthen vessels, that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. We have Christ in us, the hope of glory. We've got the kingdom of God within us. Greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. Christ is made unto us. Christ is in us. We've got this treasure. But verse 8, we are hard-pressed on every side. Are we? Yes, but not, not, not crushed. Perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, not forsaken though. Struck down, not destroyed. How come? How come you're going through all these things and you're not falling apart? Because I've got this treasure in earthen vessels. But this treasure in earthen vessels needs to come out. To bring my deliverance. So how could I deal with this? Verse 10. Always. Say always. Say always. 
always carrying about in my body the dying of the Lord Jesus Christ so that the life also of Christ would be made manifest. Always. Always. When it's up, when it's down, when it's left, when it's right, when it's hot, when it's cold, when it's test, when it's trial, when it's rejoicing, when there's gladness, when there's oppression. Always. Bearing about, always living in this identification of the sacrifice. I'm crucified with him. I'm, res I'm old man has been buried with him. I'm resurrected with him. I'm seated at his right hand. I have his life. I have his name. I'm being washed by his blood. All of his promises are yes and amen. Always bearing about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life also of Christ will be made manifest. What am I saying? I am saying that it is this practicing of the sacrifice of Christ that causes the right the establishment of righteousness, that causes this life of Christ, which is righteousness, to be made manifest. The next verse says, For we who are always delivered to death for Jesus' sake, so that the life of Jesus also would be made manifest in this mortal flesh while we're still here. Always being delivered to death. Always, every situation, when it comes, I got to recognize I am dead with Christ. And I am alive together with him. I have his name. I have his authority. I have the promises. I am his voice and his authority in this environment. I shall not be moved because the righteous shall not be moved. The righteous shall not be forsaken. The Lord is at my right hand. I shall not be moved. I shall not fear what man can do unto me. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. Behold, he's given me power to tread upon serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by enemies hurt me. He has made unto me wisdom. He has made unto me redemption. His life is my divine health. So that's what, this is how I think. This is how I speak. I always make that identification. Hallelujah. Say always. always. Blessed be the name of the Lord. In every situation, it is what does the sacrifice say? What would, what would Jesus do? Or better yet, better than what would Jesus do? What has Jesus done? We are, we, in other words, what are we doing? We are talking, we are exercising in righteousness. We are practicing righteousness. How? By exercising in the sacrifice. The entirety of righteousness, and I mean this, the entirety, every detail of righteousness comes as a result of the sacrifice. Every detail. So every detail of your righteousness comes out of the sacrifice of Christ so to be established in righteousness, you must be established even in the details of the sacrifice. That's why I don't like to leave it as the cross. I don't like to leave it just as the blood. I like to think of the sacrifice of Christ. By one offering, he has perfected forever them that are sacrificed, them that are sanctified. After he had made one offering, he sat down at the right hand of the Father, fully expecting that his enemies will be made his footstool because he knew what he had finished and he knew what he has produced in us. Hallelujah. And he knew the authority that he's given to us. So, we got to always apply crucifixion. 
I'm crucified with Christ. So I'm not affected by my history. I'm crucified with Christ. And everybody else is too. So guess what? I'm not affected by what anyone thinks. I'm not affected by what they have to say. I'm not intimidated, nor am I concerned about my own reputation. I'm not trying to impress anybody. I'm dead. It's not me here. It's Christ here. Apply crucifixion. Apply crucifixion when the, when the criticism come. Apply crucifixion when the condemnation come. I'm resurrected with Christ. I have a new life. I've got a new identity. People talking about your background. What family you came out of. What race. What ethnicity. What educational lack thereof. Well, that's not my identification. I've been redeemed out of every town, out of every kindred, out of every human definition. I am a king and a priest unto God. You are his workmanship. You are the pro product of the perfect sacrifice of Christ. You are God's masterpiece. You are a new creation. All things have passed away. All things have become new. So what happened? No, I, cannot be, I cannot be defined by my circumstances, my history, my environment, or any other such thing. I am defined by the sacrifice of Christ. I am defined by who he has made me. I'm seated with Christ in ascension. I rule over the circumstances, and I rule over the devil. I'm above only and not beneath. That's the reality. I'm never under the weather. What am I doing under there? I'm seated far above all principalities and powers. I don't care what the circumstances look like. I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. He always causes me to triumph because I'm ascended with him. I've been made to sit together with him in heavenly places. The application. Having fellowship with the blood of Christ. I'm forgiven. In his sight, I'm holy, without blame, without fault, without reproach. I walk in love because the love of God has been shed abroad in my heart, and it constrains me. I do not ever receive res condemnation or guilt or shame or any other such thing. Oh, but you did that in the past. No, that wasn't me. That was the guy that used to live here. I'm a new creation. All things have passed away. All things have become new. Father, Father God has no record of my sins anymore. And all the promises of God, they are mine. So I'm confident always. Confident always knowing that God is for me. Who can be against me? If the Lord is on my side, <laughs> I shall not fear. So what is the conclusion? You know, the scripture says, when I was a child, I spake as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. And it says in Hebrews chapter 5 and verse 13, when we are babes, we have need of milk. But when we grow up, we eat meat. We, we become skillful in the word of righteousness. We become skillful in operating in this oneness. We become skillful in being the extension of him. We become skillful in functioning in our authority. We become skillful in knowing what's our rights and privileges. We become skillful in being freed from the condemnation, the guilt, and the accusation that can come from the devil or people or wherever else. We become skillful. And you know what it says? How come we become skillful? By reason of use, we've developed. We've developed. By reason of use, which means what? Using it every time you have a reason. How many times you have a reason? How many times you have a reason to recognize I'm crucified? 
to recognize I'm ascended, to recognize it's the life of Christ, to recognize I have his name and his authority, to recognize what the blood has done and what the blood speaks. How many times? Always. So always bearing about in the body. Always. On every occasion, what do you do? You practice it. You keep living this way. You live out of the sacrifice. You live in the sacrifice. You practice the aspects of the sacrifice. And as you do, you are a doer of the word. And you are building your house. This house. This temple that belongs to him. You're building it upon the rock. And becoming established in righteousness. 